Hey, this is Jim Graham from the Masculine Journey Podcast, where we explore relationship instead of religion every week. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. So you want to play I Spy? Mm, all right. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. I spy something green. Tree? Oh, my turn? Yeah. Okay, I spy something tall. Tree. Okay. Uh, I spy something with bark. Tree? Oh. Okay, I spy something, uh, a vertical log. Tree. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are your branches. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are your branches. Not only green when summer's here, but in the coldest time of year, oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas, oh, Christmas. <laughs> you might have guessed it, oh, Christmas tree, today on the Christian Car Guy Show with Bill Mixon, hey, uh, you might say, Robbie, what does trees have to do with cars? Well, just to throw this in there to say I'm not totally off topic, that Henry Ford, used wood in his in his model t's <laughs> he actually did in the floorboards and one of the genius things he did because he was all about making cars as inexpensive as possible is he had the people that were shipping stuff to him bill ship it and he would give them specific dimensions on how he wanted his crates because then he would use the crates to make the floorboards of the cars and the wood he had to to take other places guess what he burned it made charcoal and when you see king's ford charcoal it's from Henry Ford. That's true. And because that was his other company besides making cars. And so there's a man that knew how to save a buck. I'm just saying. And he used that in order to create the least expensive car ever made. And a lot of what we're doing here in America in the car business today, much, much of it had to do with that kind of thinking. So trees, from my perspective... <laughs> Oh, we're going to get into Christmas trees. We're going to get into trees all over the place. But first, I got to tell you that if you're wondering about the two moose, that's what, are they called moose or mooses? I thought the two mooses, they're from Brother Bear, and they're playing I Spy. It's one of the funniest. If you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. The vertical log one <laughs> always cracks me up. And then the little girl from Christmas Chronicles 2 on Netflix. Oh, my goodness. What a movie. Like, if you like... Christmas movies, I just, I, you know, it's Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn. I mean, you can't miss. It's, it's, it's awesome, Bill. <laughs> so, not only do we talk trees today on the Christian Car Guy, and it's a good time to get a tree, and actually, I am going to Boone, North Carolina later, as soon as these shows are over, with my family, and we're going to do our traditional Christmas tree. And what a day to do this. I mean, it's just perfect. Cause Beautiful got, out there. Yeah, God has been teaching me something about trees. So... Also, we don't want you to miss out on the fact that the end of the show today, last segment, will be Plymouth Progress 
Chapter 10, Valiant has another two rooms to visit. And I'm going to tell you, I'll never forget when I read the book the first time, these two rooms shocked me no end. Like it took me days to figure out all that was being brought out by John Bunyan in this. And so I think you're going to really, really enjoy this episode. And it might, you know, tickle your thought processes about some conventional Christian thinking you may have that you may possibly rethink. I don't know, just stuff to look at. So, but it does seem like God has been showing me trees all year. So my, if you, if, if you know me well, you know, I get a word of the year. I start praying in December and actually I'm praying now for my word for 2021. And my word for 2020 was, in fact, ahaba in Hebrew, which means love, and it's, a, it's kind of a God-expressed love, okay? But also, for whatever reason, he has had me looking at trees all year long and studying trees and studying that in Hebrew and thinking about it. So it's kind of cool because I get to drive from Rockingham County, which is about 35, 40 minutes from the station every day, a couple, three times, whatever I do. And I see all these trees. And I don't know if you know this, but there's a letter in Hebrew called Azadik. And Azadik stands for righteousness, okay? And so when you begin to think about a tree, right, no matter what you do with it, it always points to the sun, right? Now, Bethann, you got a whole thing on sun for me, right? I do, yeah. Everybody who got the sun, wait, everybody who got the sun, no matter what you've done, Everybody got the sun, no, no matter, matter what, what you've you done. done. <laughs> S-O-N. But anyway, if you think about it, trees do do that. And, and so, I mean, you can put them on a Somehow or another, they always point to where they can get their branches in the sun. It's just what they do. And, and so I've been thinking about trees, and I've been thinking about remember. And all of a sudden, my boss comes in on Monday, and I honestly did not want to record this segment with him. If I was just going to be completely transparent, he's like, Robbie, I need you to record this with me. And I was like, man, I haven't eaten all day. I had some blood tests earlier in the day. <laughs> I was like, I'm hungry. I don't want to. And Stu was like, it'll only take 15 minutes, which, in, in, you know, you're raising your eyes. And believe minutes. me. <laughs> yeah. At least Stu 30. Yeah. Stu Stu done. Done. <laughs> but then, oh, my soul, what God had for me. As, as my dear boss and his discipleship and his, he, he is a student of the word of God. He just really is. And he was, we were recording a segment on Luke 23 where the two thieves are on the cross. Now, you may note that trees are what they use to make the cross, okay? And, and, and it is a tree on which we become righteous through the blood of Christ, right? right. So that this is no, like there's a connection here, right? And Stu was talking about, the two thieves and Jesus is in the middle and, and you know the one the question he loves to ask everybody is how many thieves asked for salvation at the cross one two they both did but the one was mocking him when he did it you know so he he, he loves to throw that out there but go read it in Luke 23 for yourself you'll see it they both ask and actually both mocked according to Matthew but then there was a change of heart on the second thief, which was a big deal. But when you look at what he says in the right translation, honestly, it, 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 it's mistranslated in places when you look at it. But it says his quote was Lord. In other words, he put Jesus where he belonged, Lord. Repentance. Right. And then what did he say? Remember. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right? What a statement. I mean, what a statement. 
And then Stu pointed out, and this sent me in a world like, oh my goodness, Stu pointed out, he said, when was the last time you heard that remember me before the thief said it on the cross? And if you think about it, if you take communion a lot, which I really, really enjoyed doing, it was Jesus at the Last Supper. He said, do this in remembrance of me, right? And, and even when you took the wine, and this idea of remembrance, and Stu even went back to Joseph, right? When the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker, you, <laughs> you know the deal. You remember? He said, remember me, right? And the guy didn't remember him, but he eventually did. So as I started to think about this, remember, remember, and it was just, it was going through my head. And all of a sudden, I remembered this study I once did on Luke, excuse me, on Deuteronomy 21, 22, right, which I have here on a paper plate, and you'll see why it's on a paper plate if you go to christiancarguy.com, because I've, I started to think about this is where we get the idea of hanging someone on a tree is, is from Deuteronomy 21, 22, and it says if somebody does something worthy of death, you hang him on a tree. Well... I knew what that looked like in regular Hebrew, but the Holy Spirit just prompted me to go to the ancient, ancient Hebrew. It was a completely different script. And, and the Jews teach that maybe that was the common way, but if you look at the most ancient Hebrew you can find, like stuff they found on vases in the King David's time, you're going to find it's a different script than the Hebrew that you will normally see today. Well, this becomes significant. You're smiling, but, I am. but if you've seen my paper plate... So I had to I couldn't find anywhere where somebody had Deuteronomy 21:22 in that ancient script. So I took the time to write it out. I didn't write it out right to left. I mean, I went from right to left. I didn't go from left to right like you normally would do Hebrew. So I could see it as compared to English. And when you look at this, I'm telling you because the letter tov, which is in this several times, is a cross. And so when it says you hang him on a tree and you put that in the ancient Hebrew, and by the way, I got a picture of my drawing there at christiancarguy.com. You're going to find there are three crosses. There are two nails and three shepherd staffs because they use pictures, right, instead of letters. And these pictures are very significant. And at the end of the verse, when it says tree, guess what you got? It's a, it's a zaddik. It's that tree, Right that we're all made righteous on. And if you think about the, the thief that was on the cross that didn't get to go with Jesus in paradise, he was made righteous too in his own way by the law. I mean, you know, he went on right there. So there's a whole lot about this tree stuff. Like there's so much to learn and you're not even going to believe where I have another paper plate. <laughs> I am armed with paper plates today as I've been writing and thinking and studying about trees. And yes, it may have something to do with cars. Don't forget, we got Plymouth Progress coming up. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. We learn from all your beauty. (laughs) 
And, and as I was remembering, I, mean, I hope you're going to remember your favorite Christmas tree as we go throughout this show and call us at 866-348-7884. But after this opportunity to think about the thief on the cross and Jesus saying, remember me in communion as he did, as, as I'm going home and I'm looking at these trees and I'm seeing the branches and, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, is, is God painting a picture to, for me to remember all that's involved here? And so this morning, <laughs> Bill likes my paper plates, but I just, I had to take notes and I wanted to write them fast and there was a paper plate right there and I liked it. So I just did. So I decided to just go on an adventure, see what all I could find as far as trees in the Bible. So this is real quick, but you know, it's going to cover some space in a, in a minute of things that I wouldn't help but note. Okay. So you got Genesis one tree show up first thing. And also you would, you would note that the word earth itself ends with a zaddy, because it even sounds like, if you were to hear it in Hebrew, the word earth sounds like etz, which is the word for tree. It's not axed it, in my opinion, because if you think about all the trees that you would see. Genesis 2, right? God points out two different trees. What has he got? The tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? And certainly, a lot of Genesis 3 has to do with some eating of the fruit of <laughs> the trees. Genesis 6, what's Noah's ark built out of? Which, by the way, the word for wood and tree are the same word in Hebrew. So it's built out of gopher trees, whatever those might be. Genesis 18, when the three people come to visit Abraham, right, that we believe are the Trinity, or I believe it anyway, they sit under the shade of a what? Tree. Now, one of the things I hadn't thought about actually till this morning, when Abraham went to offer up his son, what was he going to use for fuel? Like, oh, by the way, would be all the burnt offerings in order to make things right. What were they going to do? They were going to use wood. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I was just thinking about it this morning. And in Genesis 40, when we talked about, you know, Joseph, guess what happened to the candlestick maker or whatever guy was that he got hung on a tree, right? I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but Moses's Aaron's rod, however you want to look at, you know, you might know it's an almond branch. Once again, a tree, right? So interestingly, when you start to see the judgments that are in Exodus, that he starts to put out on the, on the Egyptians, and later you'll see it in Revelation, what is he, he, what's he wiping out? He's wiping out trees. Seriously, it, it has to do with the judgments. And then Exodus 15, I hadn't even thought about this one. You remember when the water was bitter? What made it sweet? It didn't say he threw in a little branch. It says he threw in the whole tree, <laughs> right? It was, you know, that, that, that water was made sweet with a tree, Right? And then obviously you got the Ark of the Covenant was made out of wood. All the poles for the tabernacle, they're all zadik. They're, they're ion zadiks, which an ion is, to, is the letter that would mean I. And so it's like you're seeing righteousness when you see a tree. I'm just saying. It's kind of all connected, Bill, and it's very exciting also to me. Also translated gallows. Yeah. Right, which we know that, you know, in the book of Esther, there was a pretty tall one. So, you know, and I didn't go all the way through it. But again, when you get into how they got rid of, you know, um, 
mold and mildew and different things that they were doing as far as curing different diseases. See how often they use cedar wood. You know, once again, once again, you know, it, it's, it's just all over the place. And I kind of forgot this one, but it's in there. That when the dove comes back to Noah, what's he got in his mouth? A tree. Uh-huh. Just an olive leaf or whatever that looks like. But we know where it came from, right? And things have been made right, right? I mean, it's a beautiful thing. So as, as we go out and look at our Christmas trees, I just thought I would, you know, add this little, you know, tidbit in for us to just think about. I, you know, you may not agree with half of what I say. It's fine. Just make your own connections and think about, you know, where all is God showing up in the trees? And and this year, for me, in North Carolina, Bill, I have never seen, and I don't know why I've just seen trees like I've never seen them, but the fall colors were out of this world cool this year. I mean, absolutely beautiful. And from the time that I started to think about this whole idea of in the spring and the summer, I can see that lo- God's love th- flows through trees in some marvelous ways. You hadn't been getting up leaves this year. It doesn't sound to me like. I have. I have. I've, I've done more leaf gathering this year <laughs> than I think I've ever done before. Well, it comes with that. So, you know, the idea is for you to think about it. And I, I'll give you an example of mine. I'm going to ask you for yours, Bill, or Bethann, if you got one. Your favorite Christmas tree that you can remember as a kid. Well, I can remember. I went over to this friend's house. His name was Ray Frick. This is, I was probably six. Okay, but I just remember he had a neat name, Ray Frick. <laughs> and he had those bubble lights on his tree, big ones. You know, not the little ones that they have today. This was a this this screwed into the regular light thing and this huge thing was making bubbles in the lights. Have you ever seen one, Bill? I have. And this whole tree was covered with them. And I've just sat there in total awe like man, I I can remember seeing that as a little kid and it just it brought this warm fuzzy feeling to me. So what's yours? 866-348-7884, Bill? Well, when I was in, in college, I was staying in a old, old mobile home and was uh, eating beans and mashed potatoes a lot, you know, just very frugal. Well, we put up a tree in that little place we were staying and decorated it with homemade ornaments. And when I started in the insurance business, I would put a tree up early. I was in Renolda Village, and they decorated early. Well, my tree had all kinds of ornaments that I'd saved from those college days. So the the base layer, the first ones that were put on were all those wonderful little, and then came the ones that had been gifts over the years. Yeah, what's your tradition? What's your deal? We would love to hear it. 866-348-7884. So you can remember... Remember. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Oh, albero che illumini la notte di Natale, le luci tue ricordano la luce del Signore. Ogni mia notte splenderà se la tua luce brillerà. Oh, albero che illumini la notte. 
that is Andrea Bocelli, which if you've ever had a chance to hear him sing, I mean, you, it's just really amazing gift that God has given him. And so I enjoyed that very much. And it all has to do with today's show, which is Oh Christmas Tree. I mean, just seems pretty simple, but we got to tell you that coming up, right, on, at one o'clock on The Cure with Amy Cabo and her husband Boris. How fun. They're going to be talking about Amy's actual childhood abuse and how she survived it. It's going to be a very exciting show. Of course, it'll be live and a chance for you to call in. That show comes on 1 o'clock Eastern on All the Truth Network. It's very fun, and I love what those guys do. So along the lines of right trees and remembering. So the idea of remembering, well, my kids laugh at me because I'm one of those people I like to laugh a lot and I like to cry a lot. A good day for me is if I cried a lot and I laughed a lot. So I like to watch Christmas movies because I cry all the way through them, including Christmas Chronicles 2, in which you know my kids just laugh at me no end about that, all that. But nonetheless, if you think about the word sentiment or sentimental, right? I want to just share with you, like Jesus says to remember, and then when you remember things, it touches that place in your heart that makes you laugh or it makes you cry. And so you might say, I'm a very sentimental person. Well, I enjoy that very much. But interestingly, our culture does not agree with that so much. So if you look at the current definition of sentimental in the new Webster's Dictionary, it says, resulting from feeling rather than reason or thought. <laughs> That's the B definition, or marked by, governed by, feeling, sensibility, or emotional idealism. Having an excess of sentiment or sensibility, right? Well, this is what Webster said it in 1828, a lot different from my perspective. Abounding with sentiment or just opinions or reflection is a sentimental discourse, expressing quick intellectual feeling, like... What a, wait, wait, wait. We went from being an idiot because we feel so much to being intellectual. How did this happen? Science. You're supposed to trust in science. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reading that. It's just, I've just been thinking about it. The culture does not like us to remember Jesus. They really don't. They, they, they really don't much care. Sometimes they don't much care for my laughter, and sometimes they definitely don't care for my crying. But God loves it. I can assure you, he's all about that stuff. I got Anne has got, in Huntersville, has her favorite tree poem. I'm excited about that. Anne, I happen to know, is going to be on later as Roadrunner in Christian Car Guy Theater. But I would love to hear your poem. Well, I, I've loved this show. I have a view from my new apartment of gorgeous North Carolina trees. It's the most amazing thing. So it's such an amazing—I just love what you're talking about today, Robbie, of course. But in 2006, going through a rough time, uh, I wrote Deadwood Sprouting. I had actually a vision in the night <laughs> of, of, of a branch and an al uh, of an almond tree. And I wrote Deadwood Sprouting. And uh, it goes, if the Lord can make some dead wood sprout, he could surely revive me. A staff is just a piece of wood that's cut off from a tree. It has no life. It's dead and gone. The petrified remains you see are cut and shaped into a pole, and there's no connection to the tree. But God can still do miracles with dead wood, and the key is laying down our lives for him and reconnecting to the tree, the tree that held our precious Lord. The cross can set us 
free. He can restore the life that's gone when we're connected to the tree. And when God touched that dead wood, there was more than sprouts to see. There were buds and blossoms and almonds from reconnection to the tree. The Lord is still the same today. He hasn't forgotten me. He heals the dead wood of my life and reconnects me to his tree. Wow. Praise God. That is so awesome. I mean, what a poem, man. That's Thank just you. absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'm loving everything you're sharing, and it's taken from Scripture where, you know, they put the the, the pole in the in the Ark of the Covenant, and the next morning it had the almond. Yes, it did. And Jeremiah references it at the beginning of his book because it's a vision. So it's not uncommon to have an almond branch vision because it's first right. fruits. I don't know if you knew that, but in springtime of Israel— the very first fruit, the first blossoms on any trees in Israel are the almond trees. They're the first fruits. And so that's a picture of what Jeremiah was seeing as well. Beautiful stuff. Thank you, Ann. Oh, oh and you're, you're going to love Christian Carguy Theater. I'm telling you, you're coming up, and it's going to be awesome. I can't wait to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ann. God bless. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now I got my old friend. I'm so glad she called back in. I haven't heard from her in a few weeks. We got Sarah Linda is in oh, Port Orchard. And I'm very anxious to hear about your favorite tree. Well, I was so, oh, Anne's beautiful poem is just was very stirring. And I asked my daughter, didn't we eat green almonds in Israel? And they were, they were delicious. Really? They were, they were soft and, I mean, they were amazing. And that, that brought that memory. You know, uh, the memory I have is uh, of, of uh, the trees. Uh, my family always had Christmas trees. Uh, you know, they they were from the old country. They weren't at that time. Uh, my dad wasn't a Christian at the time, or and my mother had some issues with the uh, with with the Lord. And anyway, but they loved Christmas, and they always had a tree, and they always sang the the hymns of Christmas. You know, and and finally, both my my mom and dad came. What my dad came to the Lord, my mom came back years later. But those Christmas trees, and you know, when I was little, they, we didn't have lights like you do now. They lit candles, and I, you know, and it was in the evening. Their tradition was big. Well, anyway, they had Christmas in the evening, but they lit the candles, and we sang the Christmas carols. And I remember that. And when I was five and my dad was clearing land uh, to place, make big orchards, uh, uh, anyway, he was clearing the stumps, and I was about three or four, I guess. And I played in the in the hollow where the stump had been a huge tree, and I put, I put treasures, I put little things in those true roots. And I've always felt that, you know, it's, it's it we 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 put the the treasures that we've received it, the uh anyway it's it's we're putting these in her poem just the word love expressing truth in life and that we have had treasures that God has given us way down to the roots of our life and, and anyway 
Oh, God it's beautiful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but Sarah and Linda, I, I got to know, where is the old country? Uh, oh, Estonia. It was a... It oh, was a I know where... I've been to Estonia. Do oh, you call it Estonia? Bad. I always wondered how you're supposed to say it. Well, that's a, uh, how I... I only knew a few words of it, Estonian, but... Uh, I'm a Suda, <laughs> mother's life. But anyway... <laughs> you know what they told us? We, we, we went there on the way to Russia one time. Oh, and yeah? they told us that Estonia or Estonia was the most overrun country in all of history. That everybody, when they went to conquer anything, the first thing they took out was Estonia. <laughs> That's for truth. That's why my name, the name Linda, because she was someone, sort of like a female Paul Bunyan, always grieving for her beloved husband who had been killed in the wars. And because uh-huh. that's the truth, <laughs> it was a beautiful place. It was like the state of uh, Western Washington, where a lot of trees and and greenery and but no mountains. But it was very uh, surrounded by water. It was a beautiful place. It and everybody wanted it. <laughs> it. It is. It is. Thank you for calling. It's so great to hear from you again. God bless. Well, thank you. That was wonderful poem. Yes bringing those memories (laughs) yeah remember it's wonderful to remember god bless thank you thank you well bill i I haven't given you much time so you got 20 seconds (laughs) (laughs) well i've been doing lots of hiking this year i bet i've got 200 miles in in the national forest and have really enjoyed trees just uh it's been a beautiful season to be out in Linville Gorge and Grayson Highlands and if you don't get out and walk get out and walk and if you get out and hike find a wonderful spot to go and talk to God wonderful place get in the shade that's good so now we got Plymouth's Progress coming up like chapter 10 it's going to be awesome stay tuned we've got that coming up and so much more on the Truth Network today stay tuned You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. And now time for Christian Cargai Theater with today's episode, The Plymouth Progress, Part 10. The Plymouth Progress is purposefully and completely based on John Bunyan's classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. Today's episode 10 is at ChristianCarGuy.com, both as a podcast with episodes 1 through 9 so you can easily catch up with the series, but also you can find and follow along the original book for today's episode, and more importantly, the scripture references that go along with today's episode, and those help greatly in the interpretation of the Plymouth Progress, all at ChristianCarGuy.com. Jimmy, our hero from River Rock, now saw in his dream that Infinity, the interpreter, took Plymouth Valiant by the bumper and led him into a pleasant place where was builded a stately palace, beautiful to behold, in the sight of which Christian was greatly delighted. He saw also, upon the top thereof, certainly persons walking. Then said Plymouth Valiant, May we go in thither? Then Infinity, interpreter, took Valiant and led him up towards the door of the palace. And behold, at the door stood a great company of sedans, as desirous to go in, but durst not. There also sat a sedan at a little distance from the door at a table side with a book and his inkhorn before him to take the name of him that should enter therein. 
He also saw that in the doorway stood many sedans in armor to keep the door, being resolved to do the men that would enter what hurt and mischief they could. Now was Valiant somewhat in a maze. At last, when every man started back for fear of the armed sedans, Valiant saw a sedan, a very stout countenance, named Harold Hummer. He came up to the sedan that was sitting there at the table saying, Set down my name, sir. When the sedan at the table had put down Harold's name, he saw Harold the Hummer draw his sword and put a helmet upon his head and rushed toward the door upon the armed sedans, who laid upon him with deadly force. But Harold, not at all discouraged, fell to cutting and hacking most fiercely. So, after he had received and given many wounds to those that attempted to keep him out, he cut his way through them all and pressed forward into the palace, at which there was a pleasant voice heard from those that were within, even of those that drove upon the top of the palace, saying, Ha ha! Come in, come in! Eternal glory, thou shalt win! Oh, welcome, welcome! Cross this threshold, you shall see. You'll receive tenfold, all for free. So Harold the Hummer went in and was clothed with such garments as they. Then Valiant smiled and said, I think verily I know the meaning of this, as is written in my book Matthew eleven twelve, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Let me go hence. Nay, stay till I have shown thee a little more, and after that thou shalt go on thy way. So Infinity took him by the bumper again and led him into a very dark room, where there sat a sedan in an iron cage. Now the sedan to look on seemed very sad. She sat with her headlamps looking down to the ground, her tie-rod ends folded together, and she sighed as if she would break her heart. Then said Valiant, What means this? Needs be you have a word with this sedan. Her name is Roadrunner, of your family background, a Plymouth. What art thou? Oh, I was once a fair and flourishing professor, both in mine own headlamps and also in the headlamps of others. I once was, as I thought, fair for the celestial city, and had then even joy in the thoughts that I should get thither. Well, but what art thou now? I am now a sedan of despair, and am shut up in it as in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, no, I cannot. But how camest thou in this condition? Oh, I left off to watch and be sober. Oh, yes, I I, I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts. I, I, but I sinned, you see, I, I, I sinned against the light and the goodness of God. I have grieved the spirit, and he is gone. I, I tempted the devil, and he is come to me. I mean, I have provoked God to anger, and he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. Then said Valiant to Infinity, But is there no hope for such a sedan as this? Ask her. Pray, sir, do you think there is no hope for her? Wouldst thou ask her? Is there no hope but you must be kept in the iron cage of despair? No, no, none at all. Why, the son of the blessed is very forgiving. I have crucified him to myself afresh. You see, I have despised his person. I have despised his righteousness. I have counted his blood. An 
on the holy thing. I've done the spite to the spirit of grace. Therefore, I have shut myself out of all the promises, and, and there now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour me as an adversary, an adversary. For what did you bring yourself into this condition? Oh, for the lusts, pleasures, and profits of this world, in the enjoyment of which I did then promise myself much delight. But now, now every one of those things also bite me and gnaw me like a burning worm. But canst thou not now repent and turn? God hath denied me repentance. His word gives me no encouragement to believe. Yea, himself hath shut me up in this iron cage, nor can all the sedans in the world let me out. Oh, eternity, eternity, how shall I grapple with the misery that I must meet with in eternity? <laughs> let this roadrunner's misery be remembered by thee, and be an everlasting caution to thee. Well, this is fearful. God help me to watch and be sober, and to pray that I may shun the cause of this roadrunner's misery. Sir, is it not time for me to go on my way now? Tarry till I shall show thee one more thing, and then thou shalt go on thy way. Tune in soon for the next exciting episode of Christian Carguy Theater. Now, here's Danny Dipstick and Randy Radiator to review today's episode. Oh, <laughs> Randy. That Hummer reminded me I was going to buy an invisible sword. But I really didn't see the point. <laughs> yeah, Danny. I don't, I don't see the point. <laughs> yeah. You know, Danny, I think he had the sword of the spirit. Because that's part of the full armor of God that, you know, in Ephesians it talks about we need the full armor every day. And we need a sword because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual strongholds in the heavenly realm. So, I, I think it's better than a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. You know, Danny, to, to kind of get serious here for uh, just a second, because I think this episode is, is like one of the hardest ones yet, because I, I sure got a giant lump in my throat as I listened to the desperate plight of Roadrunner and the eternal despair she is facing. But I also, I also got a big lump in my own heart realizing sometimes I'm as guilty as she is. In Hebrews 6, 6, it, it talks about those who had tasted the goodness of the Lord, yet, yet still went their own way. Uh, how many times have, have I, after knowing all the riches of God's blessing and provision, then I chose my own way? You know, Danny, that's called quenching the spirit. <laughs> it's, it's a funny term, but it's, it's like taking a giant fire extinguisher and putting out the fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Hebrews 6.11 says, God, he wants us to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make our hope sure. 
I'll just let you think about that for a while, mister. <laughs> Say goodbye, Daddy! Uh-huh. See you later, Radiator. This is the Truth Network. <laughs>